We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It spins away, baseline shot, Shea puts it in, and walks it off in a Giddy keeps it himself and takes it up as he glides with the finger roll. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Post Game Podcast Edition. I'm your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. Find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. and find us at the underscore Uncontested. You can find us on all social medias outside of Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, you name it, we're there. Be sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're just now over a 1,000 followers, which is really exciting. We'll continue to try and, and bring you all new content. So be sure to, to subscribe to us there. And before we get any further, we are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and proud part of DailyThunder.com. So, unfortunately, not the most fun game to break down tonight, but thankfully it was still a close one as the Thunder dropped their fourth straight after the All-Star break. Uh, against the Sacramento Kings, or second straight against the Sacramento Kings, uh, with a, I guess what you would call, what people call a baseball series, right? Where these teams come into a city, uh, they have two straight away games, and one, uh, one one day off in between. That's what happened, I guess, two nights ago, uh, when Sacramento came here and played their first game. Uh, the Thunder, a uh, very similar result, fairly similar game, and then played again tonight as well. Um, so I guess before we get any further, just kind of my big takeaways from tonight's game. While the outcome was similar to two nights ago against the Kings, my takeaways are a little different. The first one, unfortunately, a little similar <laughs> to that game from two nights ago, but Dort and Giddy continue to really struggle. And that's uh, it's probably understating it a little bit there. So my second one, a bold but important coaching declaration from Mark Dignall tonight. We'll get into that. Um, I liked what happened in the game that, that Dignall did. Was not as much of a fan with his comments after the game. So we'll get into all of that. Um, Super Dario. Dario Sarge continues to really impress. Uh, kind of, you know, I mean, honestly, tonight being the, the, the biggest of all those games that he's had so far and his very limited, limited time with OKC, you can see why OKC decided to hold on to him rather than buy him out. We'll get into that as well. Excuse me. And then, more dub, the better for the Thunder. Obviously, the more J-Dub has the ball in his hands, especially with Shea out, good things are going to happen for your team. And then my last one, where was Isaiah Joe? 
And I think within that, we can kind of break down some uh, a very similar theme to what we broke down on Sunday's group podcast a couple nights ago. Isaiah Joe versus Trey Man minutes. Again, I, I hate like continuing to put players against one another. Um, but when you look at the minutes distributions, I, I think that kind of tells the story of where Isaiah Joe was uh, tonight. We didn't see quite as much of him as we did the first couple of games when Shea was out. So like I said, some pregame notes. The biggest one here, no Shea Gilds Alexander tonight. Uh, Shea was out not only with that abdominal strain, but he is a, <laughs> sorry, it's like <laughs> abdominal strain, but he's also uh, out due to health and safety protocols. He's the first Thunder player this season to be out due to that, which is really interesting, especially after the past couple of seasons uh, where we've seen so many different players out due to COVID protocols. And unfortunately, Shea um, fell into that category. And so he's not only out for tonight, but probably for tomorrow night's game against the Los Angeles Lakers as well. So really disappointing, especially for a team, you know, like the Thunder who are playing against teams like the Kings, obviously the Lakers coming up tomorrow night, uh, really kind of trying to jockey for that playoff position or playing in position, I should say. And unfortunately, when you don't have your best player, it's going to make it much, much more tough as as we have seen um, these three games since, since Shea has been out. However, on the opposite end, the Sacramento Kings, no De'Aaron Fox due to left wrist soreness. Going to be pretty honest with you, that kind of seemed like a eh, where I, guess, I think they are still third in the West, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Uh, we're playing against a Thunder team that we already beat two nights ago. We can afford another loss here and still get a home court advantage. It's not worth playing De'Aaron Fox. Let's rest him a little bit. And I, honestly, I don't blame him one bit. So no, no De'Aaron Fox either for the Sacramento Kings. Led to a very close game but ultimately didn't matter for the Thunder. Thunder starters tonight, same five. They've been rolling out since Shea's been out with that injury. You have Giddy, Dort, Isaiah Joe, uh, J-Dub, and J-Will. So just kind of going, breaking uh, down some of the, the big, or I guess not big themes, but some of the, <laughs> just going through the, the game breakdown here, first quarter, the defense was non-existent. And unfortunately, that's kind of what I was getting. I was jumping the gun there in my breakdown. The defense was non-existent essentially for the entire game, although there were some really good spurts, especially in the fourth quarter, uh, some in the third, where the Thunder were able to make a bit of a comeback here and there. But ultimately, the defense was non-existent, and that was apparent from the very beginning. Um, I thought the guys weren't really locked in. The rotations were ugly. Thunder went down double digits early. It was essentially a 10-point game very early on, and it's kind of fluctuated between a you know 8 to 12-point game there for a while. Um, Giddy got three early fouls, which kind of set the tone for his game, I really feel like. And we saw him, you know, obviously get pulled out early accordingly. Uh, Mark subbed in Trey Mann, Dario Saric, uh, Wiggins with J-Dub and J-Will still in with about five minutes in the first quarter, which obviously, for those of you, I, I know those of you listening, I probably watched the majority of Thunder games. Mark making such a big substitution there in, in regards to the number of players he's subbing in uh, that early in the first it kind of tells you something, and that was kind of the case for the entire the entire game. He was looking for answers, and, and maybe, I mean, we'll get into it, maybe he found some there at the end with a certain lineup, but uh, ultimately, we saw him start to substitute guys in and out pretty early. Uh, he went big with Sarge and Jay will which was interesting. He brought Sarge in, but kept Jay will and I, I just found that really interesting. That was kind of a theme. Uh, we saw Sarge play a lot with Jerry E as well. Something to keep an eye on and monitor moving forward, even with Shea coming back, in my opinion. 
Uh, Sarge had an incredible and one after being written and just again kind of set the tone really aggressive driving to the rim early finishing through contact uh, he did the same a possession earlier but it was actually called for an offensive foul but still it was big and honestly it was like the spark the thunder needed they had very limited offense going and it was Sarge there and that would continue throughout the majority of the game but in that first quarter he comes off the bench and has some huge plays like that is pushing the ball in transition uh, is really kind of playing to the strength, even though he's a new player, playing to the strengths of this Thunder team and kind of gave them that spark that they needed off the bench. Uh, the Thunder bench unit, led by Sarge, uh, sparked a come or sparked a, a, a let it come back, sparked by Sarge, but sustained with better defense, which I think is really important. We didn't see a lot of that throughout the majority of the game. We didn't see a lot of it in the first quarter, but they played much better defense there down the stretch with that second unit, and that would be a theme that we saw again. <laughs> I sound like a broken record, but throughout the majority of this game, it's led the steals and fast break offense, which we know this team is at their best when they're playing in transition. Uh, so after one, the Kings led 43 to 38. Second, second quarter, I, I tweeted this out from the very beginning because Sarge continued to play really well. And it just makes me even more excited to see Shea with a player like Sarge. Obviously not somebody, I'm, I'm not, not even sure he's going to be long-term for this team in general, but certainly not like a starting lineup. I want to expect uh, starting next season, but to see Shea alongside a player like that is something that I'm really, really curious. Uh, and I think it'd be really, really lethal for this Thunder team heading into this latter part of this, this last part of the season. So it just makes me more and more excited to see him along. Uh, sorry, see Sarge alongside Shea, uh, given how Sarge was playing. Also, Mark has played. I, I just made a note here that Sarge uh, has played with each of J. Will and JRE. Yeah, at this point in the second quarter, he was playing alongside JRE. So essentially two bigs, uh, but that's kind of the luxury that the Thunder have, right? The, the versatility, being able to play those guys in different lineups. But it's just interesting because, you know, we're, we're typically accustomed to seeing Dignall utilize that, that versatility in an opposite way, going small. And we still saw some of those lineups, like with Kendrick at the, the five, but still I thought it was worth noting. Uh, the Thunder defense just couldn't be sustained, unfortunately. And OKC struggled to find consistent offense without Shea. I thought Jacob tweeted out a really good tweet here around this point. Kings are on pace for an 80-point half. Yous aren't going to win basketball games playing that defense, and that's exactly right. Uh, the Thunder got down by as much as 16, but somehow, <laughs> largely led by that second unit yet again, fought back at the half to cut it to cut the deficit down to 71-66. Uh, the Thunder shot the ball 15 more times in Sacramento, which actually I think is a great stat when you're trying to win basketball games, but unfortunately only made 45.5% of those compared to the Kings, 57.5%, much more efficient. And a lot of that was due to, you look at the three-point percentages, uh, the attempts were almost identical. The percentages weren't great, uh, both in the 30s, but it was DeMontis Sabonis. It was... Uh, Mitchell, a lot of those guys just being able to score in the, in, in the paint and obviously very uncharacteristic for a typically disciplined OKC uh, defense. Uh, the King shot 11 more free throws in OKC. That also led to it as well. And then, like I mentioned, Sabonis, 17 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 6 of 7 from the floor in the first half. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, the third quarter, Kings come out swinging yet again, pushing their lead back to 10. Uh, timeout immediately from Mark. I tweeted that the Thunder's defense has barely been better than that played in the recent All-Star game, if that tells you all anything. It literally looked like the Kings were running layup lines, just like we saw in the All-Star game. <laughs> and it just maybe a tad better. And um, obviously Mark felt the same because the Kings pushed the lead to 14 after that first timeout. And very shortly after, Mark, Mark calls another one. And we know when Mark's calling back-to-back -back timeouts like that, I mean, not back-to-back, -back, but very, very close together, um, he's very upset. And it worked. 
fortunately for the Thunder. They go on a 10-2 run. I mean, there is a little gap in between the, the second timeout. It was like this happened immediately after. But after kind of just sustaining uh, sustaining that, or, or trying to think how to properly word this, the Thunder didn't allow the Kings to get out by much more than that. They chiseled uh, into that lead a little. And then uh, with about five minutes left, they go on a 10-2 run and cut the lead to nine. And then, uh, again, led again by that bench unit. J-Dub uh, came in and, and led that bench unit, some of the third. Really, really impressive stuff and a common theme from this game tonight. Dub cut the cut the lead to nine with 30 seconds left after hitting two free throws, which was huge. Kenrich on the other, the, the very next possession takes a charge, very characteristic of K-Rich. And gosh, Isaiah, uh, Joe, um, J-Will, all those guys are, are putting themselves in position to make big plays like that on the, the defensive end of the floor. So even on tonight's, like like tonight, where the Thunder aren't playing like themselves defensively or don't have the same kind of defensive intensity, it's those big-time plays from guys like the Kenriches, the Jay Wills, the Isaiah Joes that really can help spark a comeback. And that's kind of what happened. So Dub cuts the lead tonight with those free throws. Kenrich takes a charge. And then Isaiah Joe gets summed, subbed in with like 30-ish seconds left in the third quarter and drills a three. Cuts the lead to six. It's now 93 to 87, Sacramento Kings. And in the fourth quarter, this is where thing gets, things get fun. Uh, but the Thunder just ultimately can't <laughs> can't end up pulling off the, the full comeback. But the momentum carries into the beginning of the fourth. Dub scores a quick layup. Uh, Dario Sarge nails a three. Cuts it to one point. A one-point deficit. Sarge led all the OKC's, OKC scores at this point with 19 points. Uh, the defense was way more engaged to start the fourth. I thought there were solid rotations, deflections, and steals. Again, the Thunder were running in transition. They were getting fouled, leading to this comeback. This was probably the best stretch of defense we saw from them the entire game. Uh, Dub had a great end one where he drove in. I got the end one and tight things up. This is a little like backflip after at not like a, an actual backflip, but due to the, mo- the momentum did like a backward somersault. It's kind of funny, uh, but knocks down the, uh, the free throw and then Dort and Giddy come back in immediately after. And guess what? Yeah, it did not end up well at all. Dort jacks up a three almost immediately misses as expected. <laughs> And uh, the Kings hit a three almost immediately after. Uh, Mark quickly put Dub and Sarge back in and ran a lineup of Giddy, Dort, Dub, Trey Man, and Sarge. Tried to just mix and max, match those two lineups there, see if he could get anything going. Because obviously, in a game like this, uh, you're trying to win. It's still pretty close. The second unit has given you a uh, second unit plus Dub has given you a chance to be able to win this game. So you would think that combining those, you know, excuse me, the strong points. That bench lineup plus Dub, right? Sarge, Dub, even Trey Man. I'm playing them alongside your two uh, best players that are available. Obviously, Shea's out. That will lead to good things. But unfortunately, tonight, and as we've seen with some of these previous games, after the All-Star break, that wasn't the case. The Kings quickly go on an 8-0 run to, to extend the lead to 10 points. And Dort and Giddy have essentially been subbed out. Or not. <laughs> I can't remember if there was a timeout before this or not, but they were subbed out of the game. And honestly, I think I kind of alluded to this earlier in one of my big takeaways, but I thought it was the right call and a huge one by Mark Dagnall. So he ends up going with JRE, Wiggins, Kenrich, J-Dub, and, and Sarge to, to close out the game. And those were the guys who really kind of sparked those comebacks there. This was a game of runs. I actually think 
this is a good time to pull up this graphic that I pulled from the broadcast uh, tonight. But in the third quarter, the Kings went on a 15-6 run. And the uh, third through the fourth quarter, so the ending of the third into the fourth, Thunder went on a 26-9 run. And in the fourth quarter to end it, which we're going to get into, Kings go on, go on a 19-9 run. And that 19-9 run really started there when Dort and Giddy were subbed back in, unfortunately. So Mark obviously goes back to a lineup that does not include them because that's what's worked well with some of those, again, led to some of those runs that I just rattled off. And uh, the Kings ended up going on a 19-9 run, win the game 123-117. The Kings only shot 35% from three, but shot 43 of 82 or 52% from the floor. They out-rebound OKC 51-42, and the Kings had 22 fast break points to the Thunder seven. Those are just all things that really stood out to me. Obviously, a lot of a good majority of those are, are due to not having a superstar player like Shea. But I've said this for a couple of seasons now, and it continues to be true. The Thunder team is at their best when they're pushing, uh, pushing the pace, pushing the ball in transition. They weren't able to do so tonight. They weren't able to do so a couple nights ago. And I think that 22 fast break points to the Thunder 7 really kind of epitomizes that. And so I wanted to throw that out there as well. So not the most fun game necessarily to break down. But believe it or not, there still were some very, a couple very big positive takeaways. Uh, We're going to get into the positives and the negatives. I'm actually not even going to break them down into those two categories tonight. We're just going to jump into the takeaways as a whole, as, as I had them listed, because I think it kind of flows well, especially within the flow of the game that I just went through. So my first ones here, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, not great. I actually thought about doing a an old segment that we've done. Uh, our guy Kami Art started the stock up, stock down on post games. Uh, and if I would have done that, I, I mean, I would have led with Lou Dort and Josh Giddy being stocked down. Lou Dort had 11 points tonight, 4 of 14 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, a minus 28 again. We the, the the disclaimer you all have heard for many many uh, many many years from us from all different kinds of podcasters on social media etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But in a game like this, a minus twenty eight kind of tells the story of the game. As does Josh Giddy's minus thirty two, which we'll get into. But a minus twenty eight on the night in twenty one minutes. Uh, just looking at his, I, I went ahead and pulled these up before I jumped on the podcast post All Star break. The last four games, obviously, the Thunder have dropped since the All-Star break. Lou's averaging 14.3 points on only 32% from the floor, shooting 6.3 attempts per game, and that's the second most behind only Isaiah Joe. And, at, and Isaiah Joe's at seven per game. Yes, Shea's out. That That is the context there. Still don't think that matters when you're, you're putting up 6.3 attempts per game, getting 14 uh, points, but only on 32% from the floor. Uh, he's shooting 28% from three on those attempts and second worst plus minus in those four games behind only Josh Giddy. Transitioning to Josh Giddy, he's had, he had a decent back uh, bounce back game a couple nights ago, Sunday night against the Kings. Uh, before that, it, you know, the, the first game that Shea missed, Giddy was not good tonight. It's interesting because he he impacted the game uh, with his eight point six rebounds, five assists, triple flurry with the triple double. But as a whole, and had some incredible passes by the way, uh, setting up teammates, uh, just being able to read where players are going to be before the he even throws the ball, before those players are even there in those positions. It's very reminiscent to a quarterback in football, right? We've talked a lot about that as well. However, the other aspects of his game just weren't there tonight. Haven't been there since Shay's been out. I guess we'll just, before I go on my soapbox here, uh, 8.6 rebounds, 5 assists, 4, 10 from the floor. 
zero three-point attempts, which is bad for a team who really needs needed spacing tonight. Three fouls. Uh, like I mentioned, that those all happened early. He was a game worse, minus 32 in only 19 minutes. That's the second less minutes for the entire team behind only J-Will. I think that kind of shows you just how Mark viewed his game as well. Uh, Post-All-Star break, similar numbers to, to Lou, 12.8 points per game, 40% shooting, which is better, shooting only 14% from three. And he has the second highest defense rating on the team. Uh, sorry, uh, the second lowest <laughs> defensive rating on the team behind only Lou Dort at 123 lose at 125 uh, his 41% true shooting percentage is the second to worst above only JRE in the span and honestly JRE has not been great either from his return from injury but again we talked about this Sunday uh, once he gets his legs under, under him I'm not too concerned about JRE but obviously uh, it, it'd be nice to see some contribution there regardless I, I think just kind of puts in, into perspective that that Giddy has also been struggling alongside Lou um we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After the All-Star break and since really since Shea's been out after that first game uh, against the Phoenix Suns. Mark actually mentioned sending both of these players down the stretch. You know, I, I mentioned that um, actually, you know, this is a pretty good transition. It Mark's decision to, to bench them there down the stretch. Um, he said it was less about them and more about rewarding others on the roster, which I'm going to be com- completely honest. I don't love this answer from Mark. And here's why him saying that means, especially with all these, excuse my language, but bullshit narratives out there, uh, you know, Ben or, uh, Bill Simmons on his show, the the you know his Ringer podcast, talking about oh well Shea's been out for two games and uh, the Thunder is shutting him down again. It seems like you know essentially uh, it's not a direct quote. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, who I genuinely appreciate and and respect, you know, tweeting out a gif about tanking uh, when when he saw Shea's health and, and safety protocols today. Again, just trying to be funny, get engagement, but there are. Fans, there are NBA followers who watch on that kind of stuff. It creates this narrative. Uh, you can go look at my tweets again. This isn't really a time to to really dive into that here, uh, but you can go and, and look at some of my tweets from earlier today. 
where I address those things and, and kind of how I think Presti views them and how we should really utilize that perspective uh, when we see these kind of things on Twitter. Regardless, all that being said, it may be even the more mad, I think, seeing Mark not really stand up for the decision to bench, uh, I almost said Shay, Giddy and Lou down the, the stretch there. And instead, just talking it up to, oh, you know, rewarding others on the roster because I don't think it's truthful. He essentially either admits that they're focusing, that the Thunder are focusing and caring more about roster exploration than winning a game, which could be a little true, but then you're essentially admitting to tanking right now, right? Like it's a roster, it's a lever pool. Um, and we'll get into the Trey Man Isaiah Joe, but that's just one example, right? Trey Man getting as many minutes as Isaiah, as Isaiah Joe tonight when Isaiah Joe's played so well. That's one specific example. So you're essentially admitting to that and like, yeah, we didn't really love where we were post All Star break or after the first game or two of All Star break. So we're, you know, we're, we're exploring our roster, uh, roster development, and hopefully we'll get a better, better lottery pick. That's essentially what you're admitting there. Or, the reality of it, which I think is this is actually the case. He doesn't make that move to the bench. He, he doesn't make that move to, to bring those guys uh, to the bench. Giddy, Dort, your two best players, essentially, or at least on paper behind Shea, um, if he isn't upset with them for how they're playing, if he's not wanting to win. Because like I said, the unit he put back out there, the Wiggins, uh, uh, primarily the Wiggins, uh, J-Dub, Kenrich Williams, Sarge, like those four. And then I think believe he threw Wiggins out there as well, which obviously makes a ton of sense. Very similar, impactful player. Like you're trying to win that game. Like the, the, that was the lineup that continue, or at least those that are a very similar iteration of the lineup that went on those runs that I rattled off earlier. Right. And so I, I think the second of those situations where he pulled the, uh, pulled Dort and Giddy out frustration and because he was trying to be competitive and win this game and thought that, that the lineup he threw out there without those two players, I like, gave them the best chance to do so. I think that's more truthful. And, and again, I'm, I'm not Mark. I can't speak for him. Obviously he may disagree if he heard this, but all that being said, I was just a little disappointed that he didn't just come out and say like, look, you can respectfully say players didn't live up to expectations. That's why they were pulled without, you know, just saying they were awful and, you know, just making a toxic situation. I would have liked to see him be a little more assertive, uh, post game and say, yeah, like I, I did pull Dort and Giddy. Uh, they played a lot of mi- minutes recently, especially with Shea out. Uh, but I just felt like that the the unit that I threw out there tonight it gave us our best shot at winning because they were competitive on bo- both ends of the floor and were playing the way that we really wanted them to. Like you can put you can put it out there in that sense where it's not necessarily degrading to players like Lou and Giddy or making them upset uh, while owning up to the decision to take them out. So that's why I'm a little upset there with Mark. I know it probably went a little long there, uh, but maybe the truth is that they they did it on purpose. They they pulled those guys on purpose because roster exploration and lottery odds. And if that's the case, then maybe I'm a little off in my assessment of uh, why Shay's not playing right now. Um, I think I covered Dayton's decision to bench Kitty Dort pretty well there. That was my next takeaway. Super Dario. Let's go ahead and jump into Dario Sarge. 21 points, eight rebounds, seven eleven from the floor. Two of six from three, I believe this was his first 20-plus point game since March 2021. And I think he had 19 points in January for the Suns. Really, really great stuff from Dario. What I love the most is we saw some more versatility from him that we haven't seen at his, at his previous stops, or at least haven't seen as in as big as uh, uh, in as big of segments as we saw tonight. He pushed the ball 
actually brought up in transition multiple times, kind of like in the Darius Baisley Poku roles that we talked about in the past where uh, the coaching staff has wanted them to rip the ball from the rim, right, off a rebound, and then start pushing the ball in transition rather than just immediately you know, sitting there waiting to find the ball handler to kick it out to the – the big advantage, you know, what this team is moving with this organization is moving towards is this versatility, this positionless basketball where any of the five guys on the floor can rip a rebound and t- start pushing the ball immediately in transition and either throw it to an outlet pass or continue to dribble until the right outlet pass, you know, uh, it comes to fruition. And we're seeing that with, with Sarge, which we haven't really seen from him at his previous stops. And I think that's really exciting. Uh, he made some really great passes just down low in general. Whether it was like Dub or Giddy who would create for him, dump it down low to him, then he'd find like a cutting K Rich or a cutting, I'm trying to remember who it was, maybe a Wiggins at one point. I think a J Will or JRE at another point when he was playing with those other bigs. I mean, some really great passes down low, which was exciting. Excuse me, and this really showed off his versatility. And I think some of these post game quotes from obviously Mark as well as, as Kenrich kind of allude to this uh mark said you have five or sorry this is a, a, as well as his own quotes this is actually sarge's quotes which i find interesting again i don't think these are meant to like degrade the previous teams he's played on but he said you have five guys who are dangerous every moment score points so it's really hard to guard here it is more five guys who are dangerous trying to exchange the ball we play free i think we play good basketball i think it's fun to watch and he, he said in a separate quote, it feels great out there with all the young guys that share the ball. And then he said he doesn't know all the plays they run yet, being the Thunder, but they play hard, and it's just basketball. I played basketball for a long time, and I think we're seeing that. He has a little more freedom in this offense than he's had at previous stops, uh, it, which is really funny because he was traded for Darius Baisley, who he said this could actually be a really good situation for him with the Suns because it's more structured, and he's going to have a more structured role, and that could be really good for him, Baisley, and his development, where Sarge is kind of the opposite. This could be really good for him to have less structure and a little more freedom within the flow of the offense to be able to show some of the versatility that I mentioned. Um, then Kenrich uh, Postkin called him a high IQ player who knows uh, knows how to play the game. I think that's just essentially spot on. And look, it's too early to tell, but they the Thunder really seem to like Sarch. Uh, I say that because I know that there's a lot of teams who would have been interested in acquiring Sarch if he were bought out. And instead, you know, the, the Thunder reward Eugenio Marie with that contract, right? But then they quickly waive him to sign Lindy Waters and reward him as well, where they could have done both and just waive Sarge. They wanted to keep Sarge. And we're seeing that, and, and they're already utilizing him in, in, in a way that, sh- that just kind of backs that up and shows that they wanted him on this roster. So what does it mean long-term? Uh, I mean, short-term means he fits really well, right? He, he fits the, the flow of this offense, fits it defensively, the versatility, again, I mentioned this earlier. I'm really excited to see him play alongside Shea when Shea gets healthy. But does he stick past the season? I mean, when we acquired him, I would have said, hell no. Like, that's your open roster spot. And that still is probably the case. But look, like, you have Lindy Waters on this contract, right? And obviously, I love Lindy and would love if he were to, um, you know, make it into the next iteration or this next season with the Thunder. Um but if you only have one draft pick and you don't make any trades or anything, or you do make a trade and you're sending out different players, like all that say, there is a world where Sarge can still be on this roster. So something just to keep an eye on. How do they utilize him? How much do they utilize him moving forward? Uh, especially if, and hopefully when Shea gets healthy again, something to keep an eye on. That's all I'm saying. Um, quickly go through these last two here. More dub, the better for OKC. Mark essentially just gave him gave Dub the rings tonight. Uh, 
uh, right out the gate. He let him run the offense more than Giddy, and some of that was due to early because of foul trouble that Giddy had. Uh, and later in the, the game, it was because that was playing better and more things were happening when he was leading the offense instead of Giddy. Again, not a knock on Giddy long-term. Go back and listen to Sunday's podcast. You will hear my optimistic long-term view on Josh Giddy. Uh, I don't want to repeat myself here. That being said, I also love Dub, and very good things happen when he has the basketball in his hands. And I want to see him be more assertive. A lot of you all want to see him be more assertive. I saw you on Twitter and 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 post-game, uh, Mark and the coaching staff obviously want to see that as well. So uh, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 9 of 16 from the 4, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, and he led OKC in minutes. Uh, really fun, really quick. Uh, I said Wendy, which makes me think of Wimby. I should have just uh, almost said Win- Wendy Nyama. I don't have it. Um, but Brian Windhorst had a really good story today on uh, on ESPN Plus about how the Thunder valued uh, Dub, J-Dub. And essentially, in a nutshell, I've gone a little long here. I'm not going to go into super detail. Basically, they went into the draft knowing that they probably were going to get Chet, and that was priority number one. Priority number two was getting J-Dub. And the reason that Usman Jang was taking a pick above J-Dub by the Thunder was because the Thunder traded up to uh, that pick above J-Dub, I believe pick number 11. They were afraid that a team like the Cavs or somebody else was going to to, uh, jump up there. The Cavs were interested in Usman Jang, but the Thunder also had suspicions that their love for (laughs) J-Dub was not only shared by these other organizations, but their love for J-Dub was known by these other organizations. So if a team like a Cavs jumped up to pick 11, for example, and even though you think they like Jang, they could have selected J-Dub. So what the Thunder did is they tried to move up to pick 11. They were successful in doing so. They were also successful in keeping their own pick at 12. So the reason they put, they because they wanted both players, they wanted Jang and Dub. But the reason they picked Dub with the second pick, their own pick, was because even if something happened with the trade between the Knicks, something fell apart, a physical didn't go through, whatever the case may be, um, the Thunder would still have J-Dub, Jalen Williams, with the 12th pick because that was their own pick that they didn't trade. So he was set in stone. That's why Usman Jang went above J-Dub. So really interesting, great insight from Wendy um, and just thought that was it, it, a perfect time to share that tonight here on the podcast. Mark Mark's quote post-game, I mentioned this a bit ago. He said that they're leaning on Jalen Williams to be more and more aggressive and he thought that he was on the gas tonight, did a good job, but it never felt like he was forcing it. And then he reiterated, he did a good job. I think that's important there. That's what Dayton wants to see. There are times where, for example, Lou Dort, extremely assertive and aggressive, but he's forcing it. There's times where Trey Mann is not aggressive. Uh, he, he's not forcing it, but he's not aggressive enough. You have times where Josh Giddey's the perfect of both. You have other times where he leans one way or the other. J-Dub continues to be that perfect balance. Uh, and I thought that was a really good quote there. From Dayton. And then Kenrich Williams, another great quote from Kenny. I think his growth throughout the season has been huge for us. That was Kenrich saying that about uh, Jay Dub. And he said he's shown star potential. And then he reminded the media uh, about how him, Kenrich, mentioned during training camp how he thought Jay Dub could be an all star. So that's pretty special stuff right there from, from a great, great teammate, Kenrich Williams. Then my last point, let's go through this one quickly. Where was Isaiah Joe? Isaiah Joe, just going through the minutes breakdown right down here. Uh, breakdown here. Isaiah Joe had 
22 minutes, which again, it's still higher than some, but that's compared to J-Dub's 32, um, Sarge is 27, Wiggins 28, uh, Kenny Hustle's 28, JRE's 21, and most importantly, Trey Mann's 20. So this does kind of leave credence to the, the quote that I kind of ridiculed there earlier in the podcast uh, that, that Daydon had about letting other uh, rewarding other players on the roster with playing time, because that does kind of seem to be the case here with the Isaiah Joe versus Trey Mammoth specifically. Again, I continue to hate to like just pit those two players against one another, but that's kind of the case. And Isaiah Joe has played a ton of minutes recently. Obviously we've seen him play very, very well. Um, and Trey Mann is somebody who they're still very invested in and they should be to be clear. They should be. I am. You all should be. Uh, it makes sense why you would want to see him get a little more burned, but it just, it does make me wonder. Like they're doing it at this point in the season, still competitive games, no shade. It's a good opportunity to do so, but it's almost like they're, they're trying to get more and more data points on this primarily for Trey Mann uh, and, and some of these other players as well before heading into this next season where I think things really ramp up. There's a lot more uh, consequences. Seems a little aggressive there, but maybe that's the term I'll go ahead and use. All that to say, like, I think this is your, maybe your last chance to really get big data points on some of these guys, like a Trey man, for example. And I just wonder if that's the reason we saw Trey getting a little more burn than Isaiah Joe. And we didn't see Isaiah Joe get quite as much burn as he typically would have, or has, as he had, as he has the past couple of games. Uh, I just find that interesting. Something I wanted to mention again, kind of uh, goes against my argument I made with, with Mark Daniels quote earlier. So I don't know. Uh, I'm a little confused there. This is one of those situations where I wish I could just be on the coaching staff, fly on the wall, uh, you know, with player development, with Sam Presti, whatever it may be, because it's a, it's fascinating and something again, that will be fun to, to follow heading into this latter part of the season. So, all that said, I think that's the majority of what I had. Uh, player of the game, I already touched on him, Dario Saric. I don't think I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but that is who I picked for the player of the game, even though J-Dub maybe should have been it. Uh, I think it just shows you how amazing J-Dub has been. We're becoming more and more accustomed to how well he's been playing. And uh, so Saric having a game like he did today, that's why I think he deserved the player of the game. Kind of coming out of nowhere like that, uh, that's why I gave him player of the game. So Thunder are now a half game back from the Lakers for 12th in the West. And I believe they're now eighth in the reverse rankings, which is really interesting. Kind of a flip of what we expected uh, here and what we're talking about heading into the All-Star break. We knew it was a possibility, obviously, uh, but not quite what we were expecting and not quite how we thought it would happen. Uh, Speaking of the Lakers, though, huge one for OKC and the Lakers tomorrow night as both teams are on back-to-backs. Thankfully, the Thunder don't have to travel. They play the Lakers tomorrow night at the Paycom at 7 p.m. Uh, the Lakers, hey, obviously, the Shea don't have uh, the Shea. The Shea don't have the Thunder. The Thunder do not have Shea due to health and safety protocols as well as that injury. Uh, hopefully, this is a blessing in disguise and gives Shea an opportunity to heal up a little bit, give him a little more rest. Uh, so that way, when he comes back out of health and safety protocols, he's ready to go. But on the flip side, the Lakers don't have LeBron. So this is another winnable game for okc it's going to be interesting again some of the things i talked about tonight keep an eye on those uh, in tomorrow night's game the trey man isaiah joe minutes the developmental minutes for people you know uh, compared to like giddy and dort i'm just curious to see how this game is treated compared to last night's game and i mean maybe that's a, a, a least credit to what data was talking about earlier if you have a second i have a back-to-back 
Maybe that's why they went ahead and pulled Dort and Giddy. All that to say, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered here at the Uncontested. Can't remember who's covering tomorrow night's game. I don't have the schedule pulled up in front of me, but we have you all covered. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Thank you all for your engagement on Twitter, for all of your support that you contested. Regardless of what happens throughout the rest of the season, we will be here for you every step of the way. And as always, Thunder Up.